0: Hi, my name is Yasmin Turehi, and this is Startup Confessionals, where we interview startup founders and entrepreneurs in the Middle East and Africa. We'll learn about some of the biggest lessons these founders discovered on their journey from the personal to the professional, and share how they keep themselves motivated. Today's episode is with Tariq Munir, the CEO of Enhance Fitness. Enhanced Fitness has already crossed 160 full-time employees and is on track to generate a million in monthly revenue by September 2021. Tarek was Deezer's CEO for the Middle East, North Africa, and he used to oversee Deezer's P&L and business strategy for the region. And he used to sit on the executive management team for Deezer globally. Tarek has also been very involved in the startup ecosystem. He's been investing in startups since 2012, and he's also part of D-A-I, Dubai Angel Investors, and he's also invested in over 15 startups so far. So welcome to the show, Tarek.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So Tarek, to kick it off, can you briefly share your value proposition in your words with our audience?
1: I'll um, try. (laughs) So what Enhance does is basically provide premium personal training to um, clients from all over the region. And we do it and we enable the trainers with technology. So um, we rely on human expertise, but we back that up with technology in order to deliver the best proposition possible out there.
0: And Tarek, why did you start the company? I briefly took a look at the site, and I found it very interesting. I actually think you know it's something that we probably need in the United States and in other countries as well. Um, so, but I'm curious, you know, why did you decide to start the company? And actually, when did you start the company? And and was that like a kind of pivotal moment in your uh, career?
1: It was a um, out of a personal need, honestly. At one point, I had a knee injury myself. Um, that was probably four or five years ago. And I tried to um, recover from the knee injury. So initially, I had physiotherapy, and then I was sent to do personal training to rehabilitate my muscles. And um, unfortunately, for the region, there wasn't a specific place to go to like You could have subscribed at your traditional gyms, you know, went and talked to some of the trainers they had. But, you know, I ended up having quite a bad experience with with that setup. And uh, every time I would land on a personal trainer, you know, they would do the wrong exercises for me and then I'd go back to the hospital. So um, and then I resorted to online search. And. I looked at a lot of you know what's out there, and I figured out that the market is very underserved. Like there was a serious um, you know lack of just professional uh, setups that would help not only in just injury rehabilitation, but in any shape or form of you know long-term sustainable personal training that would you know, just get people to reach their objectives um, and you know, get them to, to what their goals could be. So um, sat with a couple of people that were you know, in, in my circle and uh, I, I handed over the idea to them and stepped aside in the beginning because obviously I was having a full-time job back then. And, uh, you know, they took it off and, um, you know, I think the initial setup and, and the, the actual legal founding of the company was around early 2018. That, that, that's when the company uh, got legally set up.
0: Amazing and Tara, can you actually briefly walk us through the experience of the product? So let's say you know, you can take me as an example. I had uh, ACL surgery actually on both my knees. Um, so I wanted, if I wanted to go and sign up with a person, um, or what what are you guys doing? Like, is there like a qualification process? Uh, are you working with just a limited number of trainers? Is it just physical therapy? Is it physical therapy plus physical training? Can you tell tell us a little bit more about the entire process from start to finish? And is this something that people can work with kind of indefinitely, or is it for a short period of time?
1: So we we currently exist on both the App Store and the Play Store. There's a full application where you can go and download it. It's under Enhanced Fitness. Um, When you download the app, in the journey, there's a number of questions that are asked. So... Kind of basic questions that go from your height, weight, uh, you know, age, gender, um, um, anything that you'd want to specifically achieve, uh, any injuries that you've had in the past. So we try and collect as much information as possible. And then once you've answered those sets of questions, uh, we have right now over 140 trainers who are um, you know, our own employees. And these trainers would be recommended to you based on the sets of questions that you have answered. So um, if you said, I'm looking for injury rehabilitation, that we, we would recommend, you know, the trainers who are qualified to do that. Uh, but the range of trainers is very wide. So we cover Everything and anything from general fitness to uh, yoga, meditation, uh, swimming, uh, martial arts, uh, Krav Maga, uh, Muay Thai, kickboxing, boxing, uh, kids. Um, It's a very wide spectrum of disciplines. And, you know, it's also a selection of trainers within each and every discipline.
0: Got it. Okay. Fascinating. And um, so have you guys, like what's been your experience with fundraising so far and how have your priorities been shifting as you've been growing?
1: So I bootstrapped the company in the early stage and only started raising in like a seed uh, stage after having proven a track record of revenue. So um, you know, we've proved that the product is there. We've proved that there is traction, and then we decided, okay, now it's time to take the product from a uh, you know an MVP stage to a you know an actual application that is you know easy to use, that has got a lot of features, and you know that that really starts serving as a booking system Uh, and then we said okay let's widen the pool of trainers so this was around the end of 2018 so we had kind of set up the company hired few trainers put in the mvp and proven a lot of traction and then we did the first seed round around the end of that year and then grew significantly within 12 months. So by the end of 2019, we had gotten to almost three times the size or four times the size of of the previous year. And uh, at that point we raised another seed round. We still hadn't thought that we want to get to institutional investors. I didn't particularly want Institutional investors at that stage, and and within the network of DAI, and the network of you know um, people that I knew, there was always access to angel investors who, you know, who knew a lot of my track record with with large multinationals, knew my track record with just um, you know being being mostly determined on delivering uh, whatever I commit on delivering. So um, obviously, we raised the second seed around 2019, where things came diving right after. And then the quarter that followed. Um, but that was, that was probably the, the asset test of the company. Um, that was when we really got challenged, because uh, we had just raised and deployed a lot of it in Jan and Feb. You know, thinking that this is the time we're going to take over the national market first and start expanding into others. Um, But the beauty within, you know, our business model is that we're a very lean setup, so we can scale or downsize very quickly if we need to. And uh, that's what we did. You know, kind of um, we took the company to a. uh, um, kind of a smaller, tighter setup within the months that came after. So lockdown period, uh, post-lockdown period. And then um, what happened after lockdown is that a lot of, unfortunately, you know, a lot of companies went bankrupt in the fitness industry within that period. And then just by the sheer survival of Enhanced, we managed to scoop a very large amount of clientele that was just left hanging after, you know, their subscriptions or their, you know, packages, well, ceased to exist with the other companies. And um, we expanded as well into, you know, additional verticals. So we started service servicing uh, B2B as well, not just B2C. And, you know, i felt that the growth of the company had seen an unprecedented track so we started talking to vcs at that stage and you know kind of around october november initiated our conversations and then closed our official series a um you know this quarter so q q2 2021
0: Amazing. So you said you expanded to B2B. So um, are you saying that you're offering your services now to companies? So trainers are going to companies or working with companies directly? Is that what you mean?
1: No, we're actually working with a lot of like commercial entities. So we've expanded to start servicing hotels. Uh, We started servicing uh, commercial gyms, um, you know, places where there's a need for permanent trainers servicing the floor of, of the facility. And we started supplying a lot of these facilities with, with this, uh, you know, with, with, with our manpower, basically. But still within the same promise that I, um, you know, opened the conversation with, which is we empower all of these trainers with technology. So not only they are, Experts and and we have a very rigorous process in hiring, so we we make sure that the trainers are really really good at what they do, but you know, humans are always a lot more capable when you just back them up with technology. So uh, so we still we still service the clients directly, so it's really a B two B to C kind of setup. But uh, you know it's uh, uh, taking off. the headache and the liability of these facilities hiring and managing that kind of staff on their own, um, you know, but still giving them the benefit of the service and giving them the financial benefit of the service when, when the service is successful.
0: Yeah. And Tarek, I'm, I'm always so fascinated by the customer service element on platforms. So. You know, what do you do if, let's say, one of your trainers is not um, performing at a high standard, you know, or or maybe is not following instructions? Like, how do you ensure quality? Because I've seen that kind of play out on some platforms, you know, and and I think over time, even as a lot of companies, like platform companies, IPO, I I just started to see like the customer service piece slide. So I always think that that's so important. Um, How are you ensuring like high quality standards and maybe you're too early right now to have dealt with you know any kind of disastrous situation but um yeah i'm just curious like what's been your experience dealing with that so far
1: so the main purpose of the business is not being a platform so there are there's been a lot of platforms who try to aggregate between you know personal trainers and clients and they've all thought that having a good platform you know, and a booking system and a payment gateway and all this um, will will help them achieve that. But the reality is, when the personal trainers are freelancers or they you don't own their contracts, you're not paying them as full time employees. It's a very challenging setup because technically you will never have quality control. You will never. Have be capable of ensuring that the trainers are arriving on time as simple, basic stuff, you know, you'll never ensure that a trainer is not canceling on the client. You'll Never ensure that, you know, no matter how powerful the technology you have, you need to make sure that that customer service, imagine you're in a five stars hotel and everybody from, you know, room service to you know, ground staff are all freelancers. I mean, that would be a very hard thing to manage for the five-star hotel. So we went in with a full-time employment service. So, so all the trainers are full-time employees in the company. And therefore, they are under constant training. They are under very rigorous you know, customer service rules and regulations that we've put together that we make sure are always being performed. Now, yes. When you tell me, uh, has there been customer complaints? It's it's impossible not to have customer complaints, and even if you are with the best hotels on the planet, you would still find setups where you know a customer would end up being um, you know dissatisfied. Um, but coming back to your question, has it ever been disastrous? The answer is no. Like. Um, we've always managed to make sure that whatever you know customer complaint has happened there's always immediate remedy there's always immediate action and there's a good learning for us to avoid it ever happening again
0: amazing okay so that makes a lot of sense like i think that that's what we've seen play out when when there's contractors on a platform i think there's like less stake in the game you know not as much a sense of ownership. So I love that. Um, and that, you know, that I think that we're seeing that play out, like I'm on the legal field, um, at least with some of the ride sharing apps and and that, um, industry, you know, because a lot of companies don't offer benefits, uh, to people on, on the platform. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. And Tarek, I want to talk a little bit about some of the adversity that, you may have faced. I think so many people who start companies. Oftentimes, we just hear about their successes in the long term, but we don't know what they've sacrificed. And so, I'm just curious. You know, what's been your experience with, you know, maybe the hardships of being a founder? Uh, it seems like you can juggle a lot of different things at the same time. This, I believe, this is your third startup. Um, but yeah, I'm just really curious. And I think the audience would be interested in kind of learning a little bit more about what happens behind the scenes, um, you know, what kind of sacrifices you may have made or what kind of things have you learned about yourself in this journey?
1: You mean other than COVID-19? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I think, yeah, we all learned a little bit about ourselves during that the pandemic. Um, but yeah, just in general. And I'm sure and you could speak to maybe something you learned about About your business um, adversity during the pandemic as well, but just in general? So,
1: you know, a big part of running a startup is just drinking your own Kool Aid. um, Because if I want to describe the biggest adversity, it would probably be the discouragement of your most inner circle um there's a belief out there that permanent employment especially if it's a large multinational if it's a, you know represents security represents long-term safety and that startup you know Putting all of your eggs in one basket, uh, drawing you know massive loans and believing in what you do is potential commercial suicide, <laughs> and and, um, and I think it's out of love. So so when you when you think about you know the the, the closer circles around you, uh, there's always. A fear that, you know, what happens if it doesn't work out? And in every startup, you, you you go through the roller coaster of okay, now everybody wants the service, and we're seeing a lot of revenues coming in. And just like every service business out there, it's a cyclical environment. So there's times where people travel. There's times where people. Don't really want to work out because now it's just summer and, and you know, want to sit on the beach and do nothing. Ah, there are you know holidays, long, you know, holidays where people who uh, just take off from everything. And when when people take off, yes, there's a bracket who will you know your fitness committed. People who will always continue to work out, even if it's on their vacation, even if it's on a business travel, whatever it is. But that's a very small portion. When, when you get to the size that we're in and you're servicing thousands of clients, and it balances out. And then the cyclical nature of the business just displays itself very heavily. And, and obviously, you plan for this. And the more mature you become, the more you understand what to do about uh, the seasonalities um but in early stages where you're still in in a very young and fresh stage of the company you feel a lot of pressure and within that pressure you need you need support from from your close ones and i was lucky that i would say my very close inner circle was always very supportive Um, but if I want to say second layer and third layer friends that I see not so often economists people who you know study a lot of different investment routes they would always say well this is such a high risk setup because you know if you put half of your money in real estate, the other half in the stock market, the other half in this, the other half in that, then you're kind of diversified, you're protected. But here you're literally just putting time and money into one thing and what happens if it fails. So I want to say that the the most amount of sleepless nights came from that. Um, I always dealt with business in a very balanced manner. I, I have a knack for customer service. I, I love people. So when I set out to create the company, I didn't want to create a company that sells products because I have no attachment to, to uh, you know selling product. I mean, don't get me wrong, we're already selling products uh, as an ancillary small part of the business, but the core, I could not have been able to set up a company where the core is just to develop whatever product that is and just sell it. That, That would not be where my passion is. My passion is to train people. My passion is to nurture people to to make them discover their own potential even when they don't even know it and i knew that if i go out there and set up a company with a big number of people set up systems that would ensure their customer service but also ensure their own career planning and career growth and potential for them beyond their wildest dreams, then I would succeed. And all we needed to do right is just back them up with the technology so that, you know, no matter how much we teach them and and, and we keep training them, they also have the support of this age, which offers a lot of data that, that helps them serve their clients a lot better.
0: Mm. It's very inspiring, Tarek. I love that. I think a lot of people are, are kind of, at least from my experience, anecdotally, I think a lot of people are just focused on the product and not the people who are building product or people who, that are, like you said, you're not really building a product but you're you know building a, a company that's focused on people. But I think that that is something a lot of people forget that <laughs> so I love that that's you know your your focal point really.
1: in the fundraising journey, we had a lot of institutional investors who laughed like out loud when I said we want to hire the people and they were like well, that would just never work and and I beg to differ because I, I felt that at the end of the day no matter how powerful the product is in some aspects of the business you will still need a lot of people in in you know to to make things work I mean the day and age where products just run on their own and there's no humans anywhere is going to be a very different day from what it is right now and that's why I I chose a business like you said that is human-based but tech-enabled and and, you know having a good balance of both worlds
0: right right and Tarek, you know, you speak about the technology piece, like in empowering um, these trainers with technology. So I want to ask, because I think a lot of people really get stuck on this point, if they are maybe not the technical founder um, or partnering with someone who's technical, how do you navigate that particular maybe gap uh, if there is one? What would you tell people to think about when... um, you know, trying to solve for that pain point, like figuring out, like, should you, you know, partner with someone who's a technical co-founder if you're not one? Um, you know, should you hire them as like one of your first head of product, head of engineering? Wh- how do you navigate that? What did you do?
1: <laughs> Probably the piece you can do on your own is have the vision for the product. So we never had a chief product officer in the company even until today what we have is a chief technical officer so um somebody who's very good at fast releases somebody who's very good at fixing issues if they are there somebody who's very good at keeping the back end very solid sustainable uh scalable uh our security you know tight um somebody who protects the data of everybody. Um, But in my case, and I would suggest that even in other founders' case, you got to have a feel for what you want the product to achieve as the founder. Like you need to kind of almost see those features in your mind, almost feel... How they're gonna be in the hands of your staff, and how it's gonna feel in the hands of clients. But then, if you're not a technical person, you need a really, really strong CTO because, you know, I I was I did not have any technical background, but um, what I did have is very clear communication, very clear, um, a solid relationship with an individual that I trusted, and relied on that individual to build the actual functionalities whilst understanding why I want those functionalities to exist. The danger zone is where briefs come in to to your head of your development team and they're not properly understood or they're not probably justified. This is where a lot of the developers become very frustrated because they just don't get why they're developing the features. They just don't get, you know, how it's, and, and I've seen that with, with large companies, by the way, I've seen that happen even in, you know, well, mature setups where there's proper sprint planning, there's everything and people sit together and then, but Sometimes the management is so detached from the day-to-day that things that do get prioritized aren't necessarily the things that are going to have the the proper impact, neither on the clients nor on your own staff. And then I think it's just so frustrating if you were developing a certain vertical within the product, And then after two months of excruciating work where you sacrifice sleep and many other things, somebody looks at it and says, oh yeah, you know what? We're not going to use that. So just dump it in the garbage bin and let's develop something else. So that could be, and, and as a founder, you need to understand what that feels to these people because these people just sat there, you know, having a very clear brief that that's what they need to deliver and then they deliver it, it just scrapped. So that could still happen even, even in, in solid communication planning and, and, but it's a lot less likely to happen when, when it's properly structured from, from the beginning.
0: Right. Right. It's like keeping people motivated as things shift and move. I think that, You know, I've seen that after launching several hundred products where if leadership is not communicating the vision uh, within the organization, people can get really burnt out because if we, you know, dial into something and then dial back and not, you know, don't have maybe reasons why, it's, it's very disempowering. So I love that you're very attuned to that. It's such a powerful, powerful point. Um, You know, Tarek, I want to ask you so many more questions, but we are actually at time. So I was wondering if you could share with our audience, maybe your biggest takeaway on keeping yourself motivated, um, keeping your team motivated, and maybe like one of your favorite books that has inspired you on this journey.
1: The the last question is a difficult one. I mean, (laughs) I think... (laughs) on average i I go through anywhere between three to four books per month so i have a very long list of uh, books i actually make it a point that every month i brief the entire staff on one of the books that inspired me and then i give them the main takeaway points and i dedicate an hour to do that In the beginning, a lot of people thought it was a silly thing, but now they wait for it. Now it's like, oh, that hour is coming. I'm going to learn something really new and something's going to help me. Um, So I want to say that the biggest motivation is the impact we've had on people's lives. Um, We're in a business that genuinely improves the wellness of our customers they sign up not really knowing what is going to happen and then six months later nine months later uh, sometimes much shorter two three months later they see all these changes in them they see their energy levels much higher they see their stamina is a lot better. They see that their strength is better. They see that their mindset has become a lot healthier. Um, we're not very big on weight loss. It's not something we we promote within the company. We believe that you know all bodies are, are great bodies, and but we do help people get fit. We do get pe- help people get healthier, and we never. Drive people to obsess about weight loss because I, I'm I'm personally against that philosophy. I, I I like to think that everybody can be fit despite you know whatever is out there in terms of propaganda. Of of uh, some of the best mixed martial arts fighters are you know in the scale of what people perceive very overweight, but if you look at their fitness level, they are ten times more fit than any other human. So the impact on people's lives is something that I'm so happy with. I mean, you read some of the reviews, you read, we recently had one of our patients who's basically declared cancer free. um, and not because of only you know eating better and working out with us and all this, but that's a huge help, you know, when when you really put in effort you help people come come from very challenging uh you know times you help them come from very challenging uh trauma events and all this i mean again you asked me in the beginning and i said that i had a knee injury and i felt at one point that i can't move my leg and rehabilitating my muscle with a with an excellent uh Specialists who knew exactly how to motivate me and who knew exactly how to how work my muscles to get there drove me to set this up. And every time we do this with every client, and they write to us or leave a review on the app store or on the Play Store, that's probably the, the the main the main satisfaction I get from from, from our business.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, I love that so much. Well, Tarek, you're exceptionally inspiring. (laughs) And I think anyone would be very lucky to work for you and work for Enhanced Fitness. So thanks so much for your time. And where can people find more about you? Any resources? Is it just Enhanced Fitness? Uh, Where can they follow you?
1: I am in the process of uh, becoming very personally active on social media. I have not been doing that just due to, you know, I, I've, I've been uh, very, very busy. Uh, so I decided as something, I'm going to come back later. I, I have a LinkedIn profile. Um, it's under my name, Tarek Munir, um, And, you know, hopefully very soon I'll start becoming um, very active on all sorts of social media. But for now, you know, as I mentioned, the app itself is available on both play store and the app store. And um, you know, I think our, our, our staff are reachable everywhere. And hopefully by the end of this year, I'll I'll personally have have social media pages uh, that, that are active and, and, <laughs> you know proactive as well
0: wonderful well we'll add them to you the show notes thank you so much Tark, for your time and for our audience thanks for joining and for listening to Startup Confessionals